I've been writing a lot. I have been an author this last week. I've been writing a whole load of content. I've got my my writing hat on. Mm. And I really actually quite enjoy the creative process of of writing. Um, So I've been having a bit of fun doing that. Um, Can can I ask that on the ceiling rip down, what are you ripping it down for? Is it for electrics? It's for it's for a lot of electrics um, to go to the consumer unit, which is in another part of the house, right. and it's the only way because otherwise we've got to rip up upstairs um, a perfectly good everything settled up there, and also I've got the the new kitchen being stored upstairs, huh. so we can't actually get at anything. So. The only way we can do it is to is to rip. But this is the learning from yesterday. You've got to rip the bloody ceiling down. First world problems. First world problems. But how's Ooh. how's the shed though for our listeners? Benefit? Oh, the shed's fantastic. I mean, this is going to be my sanctuary for for the whole of this month. So after I've ripped down the ceiling, um, got the gas disconnected from the kitchen, and everything's gone absolutely haywire, I shall retreat very fast to my shed and not come out for weeks as it gets warmer we've not seen jb in his shed in the summer yet i'm curious as to having his he's built so for those of you that are relatively new or haven't listened to the back catalogue of our wonderful episodes of the podcast which of course you can do by the way by searching seedle global leadership podcast and have a look but um in any case um jb i believe mid last summer hung his own doors on your i did well, I, after I'd built the shed, I hung the doors, and um, there's three of them, and they they can all come off the front of my shed, so that I've it's literally this shed is like a stage uh, for the rest of the rest of the, ki- the rest of the kitchen. I get confused with my projects. Um, so outside of this shed is is basically a little auditorium where people can um, <laughs> come and see me perform in my shed. Lucky Anyone think I was a flipping narcissist, but I, I do, I, you know, I, I, well, I wanted to be able to open up the doors and say, come on in, let's have a beer. If I'm not mistaken, again, thinking to our back catalogue now, aren't you at some point <laughs> indebted still to somebody that won yes. a charity meal in your shed? Yes, I, th- so this lovely couple called the Shottons um, bought dinner for two only they in the shed the shot and then yeah yeah, of course and and so so now we haven't been able to to fulfill that auction promise uh because of covid so um and they're vegan and vegetarian and they can't eat this and they can't so it's going to be very confusing what i do know about them is that they drink like fish (laughs) so that that i get them completely drunk and then get um fish and chips from the get get the meat out Yeah. Uh, no, I'd never, <laughs> yeah. Of course, I'd, I'd never do that ever, uh, ever, ever. Uh, so that's that. That's we'll find out about that in future episodes. Um, but enough about me. What about you, Anne? Because you've got a massive agenda of things going on. I, I, you are a man of many parts, moving parts. Yes. Yeah. It, it, life is crazy. Um, a day feels like a heartbeat because it's so quick, but then because so much happens, it feels like a lifetime ago just yesterday because the world seems to move so quickly. Um, Our business, the day job is going well. Um, There is, you know, quick learning. Um, I think for the listeners listening to this in the future, um, we had the budget yesterday in the United Kingdom um, where they kind of set out the financial plans and agenda for the the six months and year ahead. And we're looking at that um, with interest because, of course, business decision-making is always going to be dependent on how much spare cash businesses have for our types of service. So that's um, that's an interesting thought. But, you know, it's crazy. There's there's a lot of stuff going on. I think, like we said a couple of episodes ago, JB, there is a sense of growing optimism as things start to relax next week. So uh, I was excited to read. I didn't realise this till this morning. As of next week, JB, you and me can meet up in on the beach, just you and me, and drink beer. No. Yep. So long as it's a public space and it's not a indoor public space, we are allowed to go and meet up in a park or a beach or somewhere, you and me, for non-physical activity and just sit and drink beer. So well, so we can't swim? I think, no, you can do that as well, but you can meet up oh, outside next week. You can meet up with another person for socialising, whereas at the moment it's just 
rec- it's it's walking and sports effectively. You're not allowed to sit, but you are allowed to picnic either with your household bubble or you're allowed to go with one other person. So um, one of my old friends and yours, JB, who I used to work with, a guy called Jez, um, who I think, Jeremy, um, he and I are going for a beer walk next week. A beer walk? Yeah. Exciting. Ooh, that could take off. That could be a thing. I'm going to send you a link to a website which basically says um, um, uh, how you know you can track your beer, basically. I know you're not yeah. a beer drinker anymore, are you, of course? Well, I do have the occasional. Um, I'm partial to a bit of San Miguel now and again because oh. it reminds me of being on holiday, which I haven't done for a very, very long time. Yeah. So anyway, listeners, um, how this podcast works, if you haven't listened to it before, uh, me and JB talk about various um, observations and news. Bits of nonsense. Yeah, from the previous week. And we, we take your listener questions. JB did send a link of something in the week. Um, and in addition... Um, sorry, I must pause the excitement because the dog's just running with excitement because um, uh, my uh, one of my team has just walked in to get hoodies out, which they're very excited about. So, and I was gonna, I was wondering if the dog has come in to get its branded um, hoodie. No, the dog unfortunately doesn't have a branded hoodie, but maybe we can get that for her in the future. Um, anyway, um, so JB sent an article. Um, I think in the week uh, I have a topic I'd like to discuss and if I plant the seed with it but then go to yours first that might be handy um, but often JB and I through our conversations with our clients and people that we talk to ideas float JB tends to then bring some really quality research I tend to do things on the fly I'm not as good as him and but, oh, absolute nonsense but there is but there, but there is something I wanted to talk about this week JB and that is how do we recreate focus in business as a leader after such a long period of lack of focus due to uncertainty? Yes, I like that. Um, and are, are we doing that now or are we going to hold that? For- no, no, I just wanted to plant the seeds so that I, yes. I, I know normally I do this horrible thing of springing things upon you. You go, well, I've not had a chance to even digest the question. Yes. I like to give things a full oven roast in my head. Yeah. So now you've planted it well, it's in there, and hopefully uh, it's fermenting in in the background. Uh, We'll soon find out whether it's actually worked or not, because you might mention it again and I've completely forgotten what you said, but um, I don't think so. I got this uh, article out because I was doing some work Mm. on uh, meaningful conversations and... uh, because I think that there's quite a few people that I've worked with in my life who really don't value the importance of really good conversations at work or virtually or whatever. And I, I started thinking about, you know, now that a lot of us are not working in the office and having the bants, you know, is it is it unrealistic to think we need to really, really think about keeping those conversations going, Mm. keeping conversations alive and talking a load of old kind of, I'm not going to use the word, but, you know, they're just having... A load of old bollocks. (laughs) I think the term is small talk. Right. And (laughs) I... So in in this uh, article, it was a, a blog for teams by Trello and it had this little title, which is five ways you can have more meaning conf- meaningful conversations at work. So I was, I was attracted to that uh, in my little bit of research. And then one of the statistics that I thought was quite interesting that came out of it um, was that only 7% of communication comes from the words you use. 7% of communication comes from the words you use. That's bugger all of bugger all for a start. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the rest of what you communicate comes from your voice and tone. Mm -hmm. And I take it this assumes it's a non-face-to-face conversation, JB? Or is this body language is included in the tone? This is um, this is basically the thirty-eight fifty-five rule right. of personal communication in any setting. Okay. It's the thirty-eight fifty-five rule. So, seven percent of communication comes from the words you use. The rest of what you communicate comes from your voice mm. and tone, mm. which is the thirty-eight percent. 
And the 55%, are you following with the mathematics? I am, and? yeah, yeah. I've got my little yeah. calculator, yep. Yeah, good. And so 55% is remaining. What do you think that is? Body language. Absolutely one point to you. Woohoo! So, yeah, so that's pretty good. So when you're doing virtual communications, mm. what does that tell you that you need to do? Well, something you and me advocate quite a lot, which is the old uh, cameras that you and me are looking at each other, gaze lovingly to each other's eyes as we speak. Very mm. interesting. So um, this plays in quite nicely, as you and I know, to you and I talking about how we communicate in communication. Um, I've got a dog currently sat on the sofa. Look, you can see I'll put her on camera for you. She's over there in the distance. Oh. I don't know why she sat like that. What's the matter? I wish... I wish our listeners could look at your lovely dog. She's just sitting there paying attention. Yeah. She's present. She's there. She's she's listening to all of this. She's so beautiful. But what's interesting is, look, if I raise my voice, look, going, hey, Maisie. Yeah. See, even me just raising my tone, yeah. her tail goes. Yeah, that's she, right. She, she, she does not um, gain much at all from the words I choose. She looks at me for eye contact, body language, and... And tone only. And what's interesting, actually, is that when I've been abroad, you don't tend to really know what they're saying if you're they're talking another language, but you can certainly probably get a good gist of what they're talking about based on their tone and body language. So, what you when the seven percent thing is interesting because I would argue that that is subjective to certain conditions as a technical. Maybe you can give us some more color to it, but. Um, I certainly would agree with that, the concept that if I'm sat in a courtyard in Italy and there is a very expressive conversation going on the table next to me um, and what they're doing and saying and whether they're holding hands and the eye gazing and uh, or they're not or they're flamboyant hands, I could probably tell you how their relationship's going. If it's a couple, for example. <laughs> um, but well, if they're Italian, they're probably having a massive row, which <laughs> means that they're massively in love with each other. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, go on. Carry well, on. so that's my that's my little statistic that I'm throwing in there. You know, whether we agree with all of that or not, I don't. I, I don't really care. What's interesting, I think, is you know the fact that the content that we use in our conversations is perhaps not quite as important as the way that we communicate it with our voice and our intonation and. Maybe there's some sort of pausing elements that we need to think about in there to 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 make our points more well expressed, etc. Yeah. Um, so and silence then, is silence is part of that. 30, that mix. That mix. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a theory that I have uh, that 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 pausing um, starts connecting up with breathing, and you're giving people the opportunity to <gasps> take a breath. And really think about, oh my goodness, that's quite interesting. So we get this kind of good natural flow um, where information is digested. And particularly when we're telling a story, you know, the familiar pattern of the introduction uh, to the story, the scene setting, um, and then the kind of middle ground, um, you know, where there's a threat and there's someone about to die or, you know, there's a murderer in the in the mist. Um, then in the end, you know, something is resolved uh, something comes together when when we're telling a story like that you know people know that it's familiar territory we've been told stories all our lives mm. and if you put in the pauses you know when you talk to kids and and you say and then the door opened and they go <gasps> and the little gremlin came out of the woodwork and then the ceiling came down and jb was able to rewire his kitchen <laughs> Um, anyway, um, the point is that uh, we we probably need to take our communication and conversation um, to new levels. Always, there's always new learning about these things, which I'm quite interested about. You know, the psychology of conversation and mm. what's actually going on with that social interaction. And one of the points that uh, I think we're quite good at is this small talk business. I remember in um, my work. Uh, in corporate world, how people were really anti-small talk. Yeah. And it might be that I'm quite into small talk, 
When someone actually starts talking about the weather, I think it's quite an interesting subject. And, you know, I, I don't mind having a good old banter about the weather. I think it's really cool. It's a British it's, thing, though, isn't it? I think it pro- probably is. Um, you, go to I Singapore, what... you go to Singapore and, and the weather is pretty consistently just one temperature there, humid and muggy. Um, but, yeah, go on, sorry. Well, so now this is this is the bit that I think is going to interest you, Ant, because... Um, if if we're buying into the idea of small talk being, you know, useful as an entry point, as a breaking the ice kind of thing, um, you know, I don't know what what other things we talk about other than the weather, but I, you know, it's oh, are you buying that car? Are you what are you doing the weekend? Um, all the normal well, stuff that we, we talk. We about. tend to top and tail our podcast with the small talk, don't we? Well, I think we do it naturally. We don't really, you know, it's not it's not scripted. So no. anyway, in a 2010 no, who, study... Who would, who would script tearing down a bloody ceiling? Carry on. I know. Um, we found that brief getting-to-know-you interactions actually boost the brain's executive functions. So a set of mental processes uh, there really, really help to get the executive function of the brain uh, to work more effectively. Now that, you know, I don't, this is a piece of research, um, so research, 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 you know, I don't know whether any of that is really true, but actually, um, does it effectively um, boost the brain's executive functions? Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it? If we think about uh, commercialized settings where you and I might be going in to speak to a prospect and this is where I guess internationally and culturally, to your point, you know, in some countries they buy on relationship only, relationship first, business second. Um, if it's if the the small talk is opening up neural pathways almost, um, that I would say is probably important. And arguably, when we're doing sales education in the day job, we talk about the importance of rapport building before you get into the meter stuff. And I think that perhaps we're more open-minded we're quite fixed mindset until with with someone selling to us that that trust element is blocking anything other than i don't trust you the small talk brings the guard down so there possibly is some, some sentiment to that isn't there can you think back um to a time when you were dating your wife to be yes first time and you stumped me twice I don't, before I married her. Are you right? Yep. I don't know what they, whether you were in a bar or a restaurant or, or walking with a can of beer that we were talking about earlier. Um, uh, but I imagine you had a little bit of small talk going on. Or it wasn't the time for that. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my this goodness, is very JB, personal. yeah. <laughs> Uh, sorry, we only no, just met, no. darling. <laughs> I, I, but there was probably a little bit of small talk going on. Lots of small talk. It, it, it's funny, actually. It's it's and and you could talk about dating as a general concept, couldn't you? The early dating, there is a lot of small talk, uh, and to, and uh, but what might happen, I think, where perhaps the relationships settle, is the small talk sim- very quickly evolves into a deeper subject because you match a value or a subject that's of interest, and you're off. But you're right, you know. Oh, you know, you know. Where did you go on holiday last year? And and have you got any brothers and sisters? And you know, where's your favourite holiday? What's your and all of that? Mm. And so, if you if you cut out all of that and go for the main event, you know what I'm talking about. Then it feels like you haven't done the proper, you know, due diligence. You haven't done the foreplay properly. Do you know what I mean? Which is always a really bad idea. We're tracking so well to, against not having explicit on this one, but there we go. We're over that I'm line trying now. to I'm trying to skirt my way around not being too explicit, but actually making it an important point that there is arousal in a conversation. And if you take away that um you know foreplay of the conversation, uh, I think that is uh, limiting it you you need to have that build up and get 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 the the connection right and so a little bit of practicing at the beginning of trying out the weather or trying out what you do at the weekend uh, I think that comes naturally to some 
but I think it's actually unnatural to others. Mm. And uh, it's like, how can you waste your time on having those sorts of uh, conversations when we need to do X? I, I think if you're in a culture like that, it could be really damaging uh, to the way people enter into conversation that is actually ultimately meaningful and you're taking you're taking away the entry point you're taking away the access point to a really good relationship uh where thriving conversation can happen so i i just like to to really say um be careful if you feel that small talk is a waste of time this this point is made well in this little article. Practice listening is the other point. Um, and, you, you know, we we know that a lot of people drift off uh, during a conversation. We all do. You know, we all, we all tend to just go, oh, this isn't quite interesting me anymore. And we just drift away from the from the listening. It, it's such a skill, isn't it, to to actively listen to someone else um, and to really, really focus in, even if you don't like them, actually, even, even, and even if you don't like what they're saying, uh, to practice that listening uh, is, such a, is such an important thing. And you can increase the quality of your, your listening so much. And I know this from my own experience of trying to find ways uh, to, to really capture what people are saying. And you know, there's an art in hearing the words and really capturing the words and, and building a cluster of things that they've said around an anchor word that they've said. And, you know, without notes or anything, just, just being able to uh, go back over what they've just said back to them and remind them, you know, if they forgot what they've said, you can actually just pick it up and say, well, the key word was this, and I think you said a few things around that. And just really training the brain to really, really listen. Oh my goodness, this is probably the most important aspect uh, of a of a damn good listening to in a conversation. I must say, as a as a, you're obviously going through this article in a very holistical sense, I guess around the subject. But I, I think the whole point around this, with us, us talking about leaders in in their setting is that we, we really do need to focus on the importance of good conversations. Um, you know, taking into consideration the small talk being a critical part of relationship building with your people. Um, if they want to feel, as JB's talked about in previous episodes, feeling known, feeling focused and feeling valued, small talk may not be important to you, but it might be important to them. But unless you actually ask them, you know, how do you best like to work with people, you know? Uh, and I can talk from personal experience of a of a leader that I used to work for, who unfortunately I probably wouldn't work for again, unfortunately. And they did not like small talk. They were not interested in how my family were. But to me, it was incredibly important that people understood that my work is giving me a lifestyle and the lifestyle is what's important to me. The work is less important. Don't get me wrong, I want to enjoy my work. But I want people to know me on a deeper level than my work level, and that really I struggle with that relationship, um, and we struggled as a as a as a manager direct report. But um, and and you know we we're still connected, um, but I certainly wouldn't work for that person again because they just didn't care, no interest. Interestingly, actually, yesterday I was watching on on BBC Television. JB, um, you've heard of a guy called Chris Packham. Yes, the the wildlife fellow. Yeah, so he is Asperger's, and it wasn't diagnosed until he was oh, in his forties. Yes. Yeah, and there's a documentary about Asperger's and me. And for those of you that are international listeners to the podcast, he's uh, he used to do a children's wildlife program in the eighties, and more recently he's been he does this thing called Bird Watch. Um, yes, and every day at six thirty, and it's kind of this. Well, it's, it, I think it's in seasons, and I think the season's about to start. Um, and he's had to learn how to mask his Asperger's. He's clever enough to realise that he's not like everybody else. And he needs to address that in, in to be accepted. Um, but because of his Asperger's, it's given him 
infinite knowledge on things he's obsessed about, which is animals, in particular birds, by the way, um, yeah. wild birds. Um, but he has no interest in small talk. So he talked about this in this documentary. And in fact, he even had his sister over in this documentary and his sister was saying um, that she challenged him once on him being so manipulative. You know, he always got everyone to do what he wanted to do. But with someone with such low emotional intelligence, how did he do it? And it was basically said, well, you know, I I, I don't care what people think. Um, and he's had to learn the importance of small talk to be able to get anybody to pay any attention to him. Um, but really interesting. But, you know, again, we, we again, it's individual preference, isn't it, as to what the values of small talk and tone and things. But um, some personality types don't allow people to show much emotion and cultural differences also play into all these sorts of things. So it is quite, um, it, it, it's quite important, I think, to, and that's a really good illustration of, you know, some of the uh, people who actually struggle with uh, the relevance of uh, small talk, uh, what, what I might call the entry into the conversation, that, you know, the bigger conversations that you can have, uh, it, is, it is a bridge to bigger and better things. And I I think that we really do need to celebrate conversation in organisations of all forms and formats so that the people in the organisation can practise the art of conversation. Because maybe, maybe there is someone out there, um, you know, there might be a starter or someone in a business who does struggle with it a bit, but you give them the opportunity to play around in the foothills of conversation with the small talk area and just get them comfortable with that and confident in communicating to bosses and colleagues and, you know, possibly even direct reports. Um, and it's practice. It is practice and practice and practice. And I've said this to my kids before now, you know, oh, Dad, I don't want to go in that room and see all these people. They'll ask me loads of questions. Well, you're the lucky one. You know, fantastic. But don't forget to ask them questions too, because that's kind of how conversations work. Um, controversially, in this uh, interesting article, it's quite conversational, isn't it? Quite prov provoking conversation, which yeah. is good. Um, this, this, this says, say goodbye to, to open workspaces, uh, or at least make things a little less open. Um, so in a nutshell... Uh, this argues that um, some of the open plan uh, areas that people are working in of old, do you remember those days, Ant? Um, you know, where you just say, actually, uh, John, I'd love to have a chat about, you know, that thing we were talking about. You know, that idea of know me, focus me, value me. How does it actually work? And then before you know it, you're looking at about 10 other people listening in on your conversation and the, the, the safety and the trust and the confidence in having that conversation with all those people mm. uh, taking part in it. I, did that, I didn't invite you all to be part of this conversation, nice though it is. Um, I, this this uh, is arguing against that. And maybe, maybe uh, with the world having changed so dramatically, uh, where we've got virtual communications and virtual conversations, maybe there's an opportunity here uh, for us to have more privacy and safety uh, in the kinds of conversations that we have with people. And this really, it did make me do a little review of the kinds of conversations I've had with lots of colleagues and people that I work with and clients. And some of those conversations through Zoom, for example, have been a lot safer, a lot more intimate and friendly and, yeah. you know, uh, and private, uh, supporting the virtual world in that regard. What do you think about that? I, I know several people that have said they've built better relationships with people since they've been working remotely than when they were working with them face to face. 
It's a thing, isn't it? It's a thing. Not many people talk about it, but it is a it is a thing. Because you're invited into their home, I guess, is part of it. it was, I was reading a few different viewpoints on this. And one was the point that, um, you know, you're now, you know, my wife's walked in with a delivery, the dog's on the couch behind me. It creates, yeah, yeah, yeah. it forces the small talk. Or oh, what's that picture on your shelf behind you? Tell us about yes. that. Yes. And I think it, it gives people um, access into people's hearts rather than just minds. I think we all know that one-to-one meeting rooms that you go and book for half an hour are normally whitewashed clinical rooms with a table in the middle, some conference call machine, a whiteboard with some markers, um, and if you're lucky, yeah. some biscuits and a coffee machine in the corner. It's not very human, is it? No. Um, whereas I suspect... So, I, in, so again, I'm thinking again from personal experience. We've been, into, we've been hiring quite a lot recently. And we... Um, you know, we, we were interviewing um, this lady um, and the first interview was in the bedroom because her kids had just gone <laughs> down and it was a seven in the evening interview and she just put her youngest down to bed. So she's in the room next to it. And she was, you know, this this is my bedroom. Yeah. The following day, she she was then she just do a presentation. She did it from her father's office and he was ex-military and there's all these um, awards and accolades and certificates and things and you know, countless books in a library, which was proving great for conversation. You know, what's that one for then? What's that? And it, I think it, it it's it's hilarious because um, half of my team have never met each other face-to-face in the flesh. Wow. But they all would yeah, argue they've got great relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, one of our team, we hired and onboarded all remotely. There's actually one person I know that was that was interviewed, hired, and fired all remotely. Gosh! Full, so, so full life when cycle. you when I guess at some point you will get them all together. Yes. Um, what what um, what have you in mind uh, as a as a as a venue as a as a thing? An all day hug. Um, but this is the other yeah. thing. This is the other thing, though, JB. You see, I think the the place of work is going to change. Yeah. Because. Um, I think, as I said, you and I have done this for years, working remotely, and going to the office is to make that connection now. I do my work at home. Whenever I used to go, so whenever I wasn't on tour with you, for example, I would go to an office in London in my previous job, and my day would, I would know, would be written off. There's, I would not get any work done today, but I will have lots of meetings today, and it would be wall-to-wall meetings, generally social meetings, nine times out of ten, Instead of getting to know people. So to your point, the setting will probably be an offsite of some description where we just spend time doing things. We, there'll probably be some corporate element to it, but a lot of it can be done remotely. You can all sit on a Zoom call or a Teams call or a WebEx call and you get the PowerPoint and you can see, and I think people are getting better at broadcasting and inspiring people in those things. And that's what our company's about, by the way. But um, So therefore the face-to-face is generally for me to create a human connection with others. That That's it the end absolutely absolutely and it you know it doesn't it doesn't have to even be in an office no you know i mean it it, it could be in a bloody park i, I don't know maybe yeah. that's a that's a, a little bit of a with weird a beer. one with a beer yeah well actually one of the points in this thing is take your conversations outside you know change the setting um you know it it, it can it can really help just to, to take it out of the office environment or maybe even out of the virtual environment, which is why I asked the question, you know, about that kind of entry into uh, the real the real life world, um, touching flesh and saying hello, um, you know, maybe... He's back that to the doesn't first day to, again, isn't he? Yeah, just doesn't have to be in the office uh, anymore. It could be in a, a very unconventional setting that could be quite good fun um, and human, uh, rather than taking them into that whiteboard, um, cold clinical environment, um, yes. maybe I've got a funny view about an office. But I know some of them aren't like that. But a lot that I've been in, I think, oh my goodness, this isn't a very human environment that I've just walked into. Yeah, that's very true. Interesting article, Mr. Bradley. So, well, I just thought it was stimulate a, a, a conversation piece that would stimulate a conversation, and I think it just about did that. I think it did. I think it did a great job. Um, so, um, 
for our sorry so to do something so so uh, we, we have a listener question or we have an article what would you prefer first i think a listener question okay would be would be a little good a good little thing oh do. we need to do a shout out to diana as well who's a regular listener who tagged us on social media did you see that last week no she quoted us um, oh. oh yes i did i'm talking nonsense it was on linkedin and um diana yes yeah, she tagged us and she what's, she'd what's quoted, fair for the business she'd quoted us yeah using the mirror and things yeah which is um really interesting anyway the the listener question sorry let me load it up um this is a public one so this is good um from a gentleman called james don't know where james is based in fact i could kick in his profile picture to find out where he's from um, is he i wonder if he's the james that appears on the other um things that we've been doing um, the webinars we've been running because there's a james that appears on that possibly uh, anyway it's, it's uk so quite possibly um he asks in a previous episode you talk about firing people with enthusiasm can oh, you yes. tell me how <laughs> ah <laughs> well it's a it's a two-part question isn't it and it is as we know it is do we fire them with enthusiasm or do we fire them with enthusiasm <laughs> yeah well, I see. I'm not a legal expert on firing people anymore, and um, the well, I've never been a legal expert. To be to be fair, um, I was always in favour of um, having a sort of offline conversation, which would probably be, you know, incendiary in a tribunal um, these days. But uh, it would be the last the last go at trying to solve the the problem. Hmm. Um, you know, c can we just take this offline and, and let's just, it's like, can we just be human to human and have a conversation here um, about uh, what's going on? But if that fails, uh, then it really is um, being absolutely clear with them uh, and, and all the, the, the steps that you need to take of the verbal warning and the written warning and all the legal things that you need to do. Um, but I, I think what's wrong with with saying to someone someone that I think you have enormous potential, but it's not here. It's not in this role. It's not doing this. Uh, there, there's potentially new in other areas, I'm sure, but either that's because the skill isn't there, uh, the technical skill, or you know, their, their, their determination to learn, their mindset's not in the right place, uh, there's a conflict of interest, there's tension between colleagues, they're not a team player, so the behaviour's wrong, the performance is wrong. Any number of things um, can mean that it's just not right for here. So we can have a really honest conversation about that um, and be enthusiastic about their potential somewhere else and that's that's the yeah you know the firing with enthusiasm is about the their enthusiasm for their future somewhere else which sounds weird but i've experienced that conversation um and got it right and i've also fired someone and got it wrong and actually uh that person met me on a train years later uh, and they were having an extremely successful life uh, as a recruitment consultant. But maybe I had got it right um, in that they were the wrong fit in the wrong team at the wrong time. Yeah. Uh, and I, I liberated them. I set, I'd set them free to be, to be out in the wild. I know two people that were fired once for very, very bad things. Um, and they set up a business together and ended up being very successful at it. And <laughs> they, yeah. they got fired for the same thing. Uh, but I won't oh. go any further on that one. To, yes. to, to pick on what JB's just said, I think you're right. It's all about the the human-to-human -human element and the enthusiasm for their potential, but it isn't the right fit for whatever reason it might be. It, You know, I, mm. I, I think um, if you've got a person in your team that maybe is no... It, there is a risk. You stay in a job for too long and you become disruptive. You go into self-destruct mode. You get bored, you start meddling with stuff and you get frustrated and things bother you. And if people don't move on during that period, I think that is where they move into this sabotage mode, which I think is dangerous. 
Um, so the other flip side of fatherly enthusiasm is just that actually things aren't right at the moment and we need to have a conversation to fix it. Um, we want you to be successful, but here are the behaviors that are existing that mean you're not. Um, and we want you to be excited. So fire them with enthusiasm is also firing them up, getting them excited rather than firing them out the business with enthusiasm. So I think, um, legal disputes aside, um, compassion, um, is something now you and I both know of a lady that used to work for me a few years ago and she said to me I never understand it why people always thank me and say that she was so nice when she fired me <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about <laughs> yes um and she was she I still know her she's lovely um but she had such a nice way of dismissing people so she was in <laughs> HR um but she was you know the important thing is she was compassionate um, and, and look, there, there are challenges, aren't there? If you know that you're firing someone um, and it's probably partly your fault, it makes that conversation all the tough. And what I mean by it being partly your fault is that you've perhaps not invested in much in fixing the underperformance, if that's the reason you're exiting them, for example. Um, but nonetheless, we are where we are. And just be aware that a company that has a manager that fires lots of people often ends up getting fired themselves because clearly there is an issue with the management rather than the people. Um, but the father with enthusiasm question, hopefully that gives you some colour. Well, I think that's that, you know, that is the, the one side of it. I, I, do you know what? I think that the link between both the firing with enthusiasms uh, is that uh, framework of, of knowing, focusing and valuing. You know, people are pleading uh, to be known in their organisation. Um, and actually, they're pleading to know themselves and the potential that they've got. Uh, they do want to focus. They do want to be focused. Uh, they want to learn to focus themselves. They want they want a good mentor uh, who can help them to to focus in the right direction, and then to learn how to focus themselves. And they want to be valued. Um, so that point about you, you might have been part of the problem. It's usually because the manager doesn't know, focus or value their people enough. Mm. That that can be a major problem why people have to go. So I think it's a really good point that you, you made there about that. that it's very relevant. And looking at it the other way, uh, to fire people with great enthusiasm towards greater things is shifting the conversation to their reputation and what reputation they want to build uh, in their in their life, in their life's work, uh, not necessarily here, but maybe elsewhere in the future. That's okay. If we are a stepping stone to that, being grown up about it, we may have these people for two or three years. Mm. You know, maybe less. Well, you know, they're probably good enough um, at this point to to invest in, so that we get at least you know a couple of years or more. Um, but the world's changing so fast, you know, the skills and technical skills that we have now will probably be out out of date uh, in two or three years' time anyway. So uh, it, it all comes down to what do you know, what do you focus on, and how do you value these people? What do you know about the reputation that they want to build? How do you tap into that? Um, so you as the leader needs to really think about um, the storytelling, the metaphors, the things that will inspire this person to greater things. That's where the leader in you kicks in. The coachy side of you, the, the coach mentor part of you, uh, needs to change the conversation to reputation and potential and look for the things that are holding this person back. Um, and then to absolutely hold them to account and focus in on the things that they really must focus in on to get those things to happen. So if you if you play those three roles, uh, you can in, you can inspire you can inspire them mm. with enthusiasm rather than fire them uh, with enthusiasm. Ooh, I like that one. There we go. That's my infinite wisdom. Um, I'm exhausted now for the week. I, I don't think there's much more you can get out of me, particularly I've got to pull a ceiling down. Hmm. Uh, well, um, we need to do some small talk before we wrap things up, of course. Otherwise, you know, that's Oh, a little bit of small yeah, talk. Yeah. Are, we, are we at that point? No, we're not. No, no. I was hoping oh. we can we can throw 10 minutes at our other subject, if possible. Oh, the leader to getting back into, getting people back into the office 
after this period of upheaval and change in our lives. Specifically, how do we create focus after such a long period of lack of focus for our people? So let me give you a bit of colour to this. Um, I think some organisations and leadership right now have used this downtime for those that aren't furloughed to pull ceilings down and to rebuild and to create things that are ready so that they can launch through the flames of the, you know, like a phoenix, um, yes. you know, from all of this, hopefully in relatively good shape and prepared. But then there's a big chunk of people that have been furloughed and not had yeah. that focus or been able to be known, focused and valued for a prolonged period of time. And how do those people get into that mindset of focus again? In addition, I think in a remote working world, it's taken people a long time. And I think there are now also some habits being formed of a lack of focus because there are a lot more meetings now than there used to be and people's weeks are less structured than they used to be. And I know that sounds a bit odd, but actually, you know, previously I'd go in and always every morning I'd do my proposals in the morning and I might have one or two meetings in the afternoon and I'll play emails and, and that would be my day. Um, and whilst there is more structure maybe now because we have to book in one-to-ones with people, I think there does there is a lack of focus in terms of what have we achieved this week and where are we at. And I was having a conversation with someone this week and they said it's a major problem in their business, basically, that they're, they've, they've fallen into this lack of accountability space now due to there not being a huge amount of focus. So my question for five minutes before we do the small talk, because it's important we cram in five minutes of small talk at the end, is how do we create focus after a prolonged period of a lack of focus? Well, I want to attack that from different directions. The oh, first God. direction is to create clarity around the focus. So um, we like to knock around the idea of the power of three and. Yeah. And I've been experimenting. I have been. I've become my own experiment uh, of really, really taking the power of three uh, very, very seriously. And trying to just look, just focus on these three things. Uh, and if you've got subshoots of those three things, um, that's absolutely fine. But don't stray uh, from the three things that you must do today above all the others. So if you have time to do the other things, that's great. But the, the what are the three things that you must do I think if you can connect that up to the organization's three things that we must do. So in an organization, you know, that's going to be um, probably about, uh, you know, a, a sort of a commercial entity, at least, is going to be about revenue generating. Um, that That is clearly going to be a big priority of that revenue generating there is probably a major new business um, push. Uh, there is probably in there, um, going back to existing clients, uh, to just check that we are um, seriously uh, making it work for them and getting most value for the client and us. Um, and, you know, are we, are we touching flesh enough? Are we speaking to our clients enough? So there might be three things you've got to do on that. And then you've got the other part, which is, you know, efficiencies and effectiveness. Um, you know, maybe maybe there's an element about, you know, focusing on um, social media, marketing or whatever it happens to be. So, you know, three things that as a business we go out and we do for the next six months. We hold ourselves to account to it. I want to know what your three things are, um, John, Sarah. Uh, Kevin, I want to know what they, you know, fitting into this triangle, I want to know your context and your three things um, and the offshoots of those three things for discussion. So I think the triangle of focus uh, could be pretty handy. The other thing is um, we may have got used to being more interruptible uh, with technology we we may we may uh, have got used to interruption mm. uh, from all sorts of different areas and things, 
we need to be tough on interruption and the causes of interruption in our lives, the interferences that happen, uh, whether they are actual and um, real in the sense that we're getting loads of Facebook messages, um, Pinterest, uh, LinkedIn, TikTok, whatever. What are we going to do as a strategy to reduce those interferences? Because they are big. They are big in people's lives and they've had pretty much free reign of interference on us uh, for, you know, a year or so. So what are we going to do about that? What are we going to what, what are we going to do about the um, you know the things that that hold us back um, psychologically uh, from that focus? So so we got the the phones and everything else, but but what about what's going on in between our ears that interfere with our focus and hold us back? What are those things? So bloody big conversations about the focus of the, the three focus, the triple three, the triple three, the tri triangle, um, and also what's interfering with us being able to establish that focus. That that would be my process of working with my people uh, in a great big marquee in a garden um, and we celebrate with a beer at the end and some champagne and some wine. So there the, you go. the only thing I would add to it is the importance, and, and, and it's going to sound like, oh, this is Management 101 stuff, but smart gets forgotten yeah. about. it's lovely. Um, so first and foremost, if you work in an annual performance cycle, if you're a non-sales people, for example, chunk up the objectives into more frequent blocks of time. So chunk it up in the tasks effectively and really smart them up. So, you know, how are we going to make it more specific? What are we doing to measure it? How are we making this achievable? Um, how relevant or realistic is it? What, how relevant is it now based on the new world, the new normal? Um, what timeline are we working to? And I think all those things combined can, can definitely make a big difference of creating a culture of focus. Critically, I think what we've all done is we've started to become more collaborative as a team of people. And therefore, we're trying to, in this weird world we're living in, to try and be over-helpful to others. But even myself, I've been guilty in the last couple of weeks of saying to my team, don't, you know, help others by all accounts, but that can't be an excuse for you to not focus on what you need to do. Because at the end of the year, you're going to be judged on your efforts, not what you've done to help other people. So... Those are, those are the additional things. So make sure that everyone's roles are clear. Make sure their objectives are chunked up. Smart, very useful. Um, and use it as a lens of what specifically are people doing? How are they being measured? How achievable is it? What's the relevance of it in terms of the bigger picture? What timescales are you going to be checking in on this performance? And if those things are answered relatively satisfactorily, I think it allows the ability to create more focus during a period of unfocused time. But JB's going to have the last word. Well, I don't want to have the last word, but what I wanted to say was um, something that I've been uh, looking at recently is um, the goal implementation being one thing. Um, so, you know, the goal uh, is to uh, increase our closing ratio um, from 8% to 25% uh, over the next three months. Um, okay, great. So what's your implementation intention? If that's your goal intention, then um, what must you do? How will you do it? When will you do it by? So SMART really kicks in then uh, when we start talking about the, you know, I think that's quite good language actually mm. about I get, I get your goal intention. I can hear that. But what's your implementation intention? Um, so uh, I hear your goal is... Um, then how are you going to do that? And that's where SMART comes in so brilliantly with lots of what and how and obviously yeah. all the other open questions, but what and how do so much work with that wonderful uh, specific world of SMART uh, that really tightens it up. So two things, goal imp implementation um, and also the integrity the implementation intention how do those things work what's the plan 
there you go hopefully that 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 covers that thing quite nicely and our hour is nearly up but we do have time oh of course goodness. to to quickly chew the fat over the small talk the importance of their small talk um what exciting plans do you have on the day ahead and weekend what ahead? small talk am i going to offer uh well so the um the good news is that uh the no normal leader book which i have been banging on about now for months uh, at last we've got a a publishing date uh, and the book will be released on the 26th of march and i can't tell you how exciting that is for me uh, because it's taken quite a long time to get it all typeset and Oh God! But working out the right colours, the right you know, and just minor little changes, and the world's changed so damn fast. You know, we've wanted to tweak bits to make it more and more and more relevant. Uh, anyway, the book the book is done, and it's going to be released on the twenty sixth of March. We are going to try and attempt to get all uh, the contributors to the book uh, in the same room, and ideally get them into a podcast. Uh, before we launch so that we can actually talk to you about what the no normal leader is and what the no normal world is all about. Uh, so that's something that's um, coming round the corner. Of course, I will keep you updated. I'm curious as to how that podcast will go because I suspect if I chair and be the question master, then it will be just one question and an hour later we'll be like, that's our time up. Thanks very much. See you next time. <laughs> Well, there, there is a lot of enthusiasm for from all of us, and mm. um, y- yeah, there's th- we're quite different characters, but we do we do have uh, one thing in common, and uh, I think that, you know there there is an absolute love of uh, people and communication and um, growth of people and growth of organisations between us. So um, we'll throw all of that into the pot. Could be quite an interesting um, conversation, really. Yeah. So hopefully, we can get all of that together. Um, but watch out because that's coming round the corner any minute now and occupying a bit of my time because around it, there's quite a lot of social media stuff to sort out. The website, the, um, you know, uh, what do they call it? This this stuff that you have to give away for free these days. Assets. You've got to give away your assets, I was told. So I've written lots of assets. That's why you always wear those figure-hugging trousers. Exactly, um, but you've got to share your assets uh, apparently with social media. So I've, I'm I'm doing that. I'm sharing my assets. I thought I'd been doing that for years anyway, which is why I'm absolutely broke half the time. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm I must point out we're wearing matching jumpers today. We've only got, we've got to the end of the podcast, and we've got ah yes. I think yours is slightly more modern than mine. I think you've got little flex in yours. Oh, I see. Oh, no, that's probably just paint. Oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> no, but I think we're both fat face, aren't we? Yes. Yes, yeah. this is a fat face, but this, I think. This is an ancient old thing. Um, so, Ant, um, what's happening? I, it always feels like a bloody Friday, doesn't it? Because we brought we put this together on a Thursday. Yeah. And then I get this false sense of um, Optimism. weekend already. <laughs> uh, and then I've got another day of, of, of working in the shed, which is, which is great because I love working in the shed. But anyway, what's happening over the next few days for you, Ant, including your weekend? Um, we are going to be doing some more DIY. Um, we had a oh. major challenge. You you talk about tearing down ceilings. I'm going to tear down a wall soon because the walls here are, are a bit naff in our new house. We've got to get these special reinforced fixings. So the things I put up did not stay up. So and we, ah. I took them down before they fell down. But knew, knowing for well that the, the, the plugs we'd used to put into the wall were no good. So oh. uh, a bit of that. Um, there is a busy few days with work ahead of me. I'm going to have to put some hours in over the weekend, I think, this weekend to get on top of some some immediate requirements um and that'll be about it and of course the usual fun and tomfoolery with the kids wife sister-in-law and labrador i bet that would be fun though always is never a dull moment in this house is there dog no i can i can imagine what about yourself well um I think it could be another. Well, depending on the weather, it could be another barbecue weekend. The uh, chicken on a on a beer can uh, went down really, really well. I got an eight point five score uh, from my stepson, which is a fantastic increase. On this my is where you potato. open the beer can and put it inside the chicken. 
Exactly. But you, you don't empty it out. You kind of partly empty it no, out. No, it but... steams up. And I did a, I did a rub um, for the chicken, which was all sorts of um, lovely tangy flavours uh, that went on it. Um, and then inserted a, a can of Guinness into bird, um, stood at the bottom of the barbecue. Well, the bird did, I didn't. And um, lit flame, left... Well, I got the charcoal up to, to white and then stuck the bird in. And an hour and a half later, hmm. just I didn't go anywhere near. I just took the thing out and it was so good. Oh, my. It was Guinness flavoured chicken. Might have to give that a go. I, I, honestly, it's really fun and the kids will enjoy it. Get them to insert it into the chicken. <laughs> and on that note, uh, I've been Anthony Price. <laughs> 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 and I've been Jonathan Bradley having a little conversation with my mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.